This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Jasmine Thomas. Jasmine, how's it going? It's good. Uh, getting settled back in Connecticut. Tired, but all good. Yeah, no, I know you just got back from Turkey and you guys won over there. Uh, just tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Um, I mean, it, it was a crazy season, but in the Turkish league, we went undefeated. So it was pretty much, you know, expected that we would win, but we didn't expect to be hit with COVID um, in the last like month of the season. So right before your league final four, um, myself and a few other players had COVID. So it was, it was a rocky ending kind of, but, you know, all came full circle, felt good to win. Yeah, for sure. What uh, what was your record? I know you said you were undefeated. How many wins? Um, thirty four. I think it was thirty four. No. And that was crazy. And was there any close games? Were you guys Were you guys nervous? Like during the season? I mean, no, <laughs> I don't think so. There were a few close games, but during the season, it's just kind of hard because every now, so like every couple of months, it was a Euroleague bubble. You know, so you play Turkish league games, like boom, 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 and then the league would just stop, and you go to the Euroleague bubble. So it was more so trying to stay healthy because you really like get up for the Euroleague games. You're playing against like the best players in, you know, all of Europe and the foreigners from the States, WNBA come over. So those games are more important. Yeah. Um, so once that was done, it was like, okay, like we just, you know, need to get these few playoff games over with and, and win this championship. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's just go like back in time. Like what, what's your first memory of picking up a basketball? First memory picking up a basketball, um, it wasn't like a competitive one. I feel like I used to just get, you know, dragged around to different gyms following my brother. My brother played football and basketball, but only in high school, he didn't play after that. But I would just travel around to the games and I'd be running around, not paying any attention. And I want to say the first time I probably touched the ball, I was on the baseline, like running around with all the other little siblings and it just came out of bounds to me. And I'm like, here you go, ref. Like, that's just it um and then something just clicked like I don't know I probably was like eight then but like two years later I was like I think I want to play you know like why, why aren't any girls playing like I really wasn't around women playing I wasn't exposed to it that much so I just you know started feeling like it was something I wanted to do yeah and then what is this just speaking to that point did you like when did you know there was like a WNBA not until I was well into play. I probably was like, who knows? I would say it's 10. Like I knew, you know, yeah. but I wasn't following. I wasn't like, yeah. you know, really recognizing players, having a favorite player, like whatever. But by the time I was like 12, I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, yeah. I enjoyed watching the games. You know, the Mystics had... Um, that's my hometown team. They had good like attendance every season. There was a, um, can't remember what year, but there was an all-star game. I went to that and I was just like, you know, I finally really fell in love with basketball around that age. Gotcha. And I know, uh, congrats. I know you just got um, inducted in your, the hall of fame in your high school um, and you grew up in, in Virginia. Yeah. Um, then tell me like what the recruiting process was like for you. Uh I feel like pretty typical of like top 20 prospects. So, you know, you do, for me, AAU circuit was how I got all my exposure. At least that's how I felt. Um, like high school, 
even though like the the DMV area is super competitive, everybody, you know, they knew about me. We were playing against a lot of competition. I feel like I played in front of the the you know top college coaches through the AAU circuit. So I was on a good team, good travel team, had a like Nike sponsorship, big tournaments, played well, and letters just started coming in. Um, I didn't do any of the camps because some of them were like the camp letters, come to elite camp, like we we you know we want to see, you want to get you on the campus, but. I just was like, whoa, like, it, it's crazy how it just goes from like a hobby. It's fun. I'm meeting friends, like we're traveling. I'm, you know, going places I would never go because of basketball to like, I can go to college and like really make a, you know, a living for myself through this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, and then what made you pick uh, Duke? My official visit is really what put the stamp on it, but um I followed Duke the most. I was a fan of the Elena Beard, the Monique Curry, Lindsey Harden. I really saw um, a lot of myself in their system through Lindsey Harden. I was a huge fan of Coach G, Coach K. I love Duke men's basketball. And, you know, it's kind of like my dream school. Um, it was between them, Maryland, which is a team, you know, close to home. Was There was a lot of AU tournaments at Maryland, went to a lot of Maryland games. Um, UVA was close to home and UConn was another one that was on my list. And once I went on that official visit to Duke, I just knew this was where I was supposed to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, what, now what is that like to actually go to your dream school? Well, it was cool because they had like, as soon as I got on campus for the visit, like JJ Reddick and coach K kind of like, were like welcome, like the welcome was with them. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool because those were the, you know, the, at least JJ Reddick for sure on the men's side, I was a fan of him. And I remember he was like, I went to their uh, NCAA game or maybe it was ACC tournament, but it was at the MCI center at the time in DC against Georgia Tech. And I remembered like that moment. So meeting him and being around him was cool, but um, I don't know, it's just, Duke has such a big name that I think people think it's like this huge school with like a lot of people and you know it's this small yeah. tiny private school where everyone knows everyone I feel like what 6,000 is like the undergrad so when I got there I was just like a little bit overwhelmed with how like the architecture the like everybody just really being all for basketball like the students while they're extremely intelligent, obviously, they they really are there for the basketball experience too. And that's just a good thing to feel a part of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't even realize it until a few years ago that like Duke was that small. Like, yeah, it's but, small. Yeah. Yeah. It's small. So, so that's cool. Um, and then like, what, what was your overall experience like at Duke, like on and off the court? Um, on the court, it was pretty good. I wish I could have gone farther in the NCAA tournament. I feel like that was I mean, it's the hardest tournament to advance in, but I feel like getting hit at the Elite Eight twice in a row, um, I wanted to make it to a Final Four, so that was tough. But um, ACC championships, the uh, Duke UNC rivalries, uh, the you know the Maryland game became a rivalry after the loss in uh, the tournament years years back. So those games, they were just there's nothing like that feeling, especially in Cameron, like. The on-court experience is everything. You have all the resources. Like, I love my teammates. Everything was just it was perfect. Um, off-court, busy. Like, I feel like, 
you know, trying to prioritize school at Duke was hard and I'm like serious about school in the classroom. So I feel like I really was staying up late nights studying and making sure I was doing my assignments or trying to get things done before we went on the road. Um, but it was cool hanging out with like, you know, either other men's basketball, other sports, kind of like everywhere athletes, you know, a lot of similar lifestyle, hang out a lot together. Um, and summer school was cool. I love being at school because <laughs> it was only athletes. The class, the workload was uh, in the classroom was less. Um, and the weather was good. North Carolina is hot as hell in the summer. So it was I don't nice. know if I ever heard anyone say summer school is cool. I, exactly. But trust me, trust me, ask more athletes about summer school, the conditioning and all that stuff. Yeah, it's tough, but you're pretty much free. You know, you get to, and as a what, you're 18 to 21 year old, you know, it's cool. You're away from home. You get to live off campus and kind of have this like pre-adult life. It was fun. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, well, actually before all this pandemic, I was back in school in 2010 to 2014 and I did some summer classes like online. So uh -huh. those were dope because the teachers didn't really pay attention. And you just <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> I mean, that's the same though. Like even when yeah. you go on campus, it's so much more laid back in the yeah, summer. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, just going, going into after that and then entering the WNBA draft, like where did you think you were positioned? I know you got drafted 12th overall. Like, did you think mm -hmm. that was a good spot? You think you, you got drafted too late? Um, honestly, I never really thought much of it. I was so just like my dream literally coming true, having an opportunity to compete in this league and going in the first round in general is hard to do. So, um, you know, I was just grateful for the opportunity. I know my, um, my junior year at Duke, uh, productive wise, like my stats and everything and kind of how I played was better than my senior year. Um, so I'm sure that affects some things, but everything worked out for me honestly and, and pretty good yeah for sure and then what what was it like to get traded to to your hometown team the washington mystic um i can't even remember like how that opportunity came up but as soon as my agent presented it to me i'm like i'll take that you know yeah. i like i said i grew up once i finally like got hit to the WNBA, started falling in love with the game like the mystics that was my team and being you know, being in DC, being able to play in front of my family and my friends and have them watch my dream play out. That was, that was cool. It was overwhelming at times too. My ticket list was like 30, 40 deep every game. And I, I'm sure they were happy to get rid of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot about that when athletes play in their hometown, like it's like a, it's there, obviously there's a pros and cons to everything, but with that, with the tickets and, and then you have like kind of more pressure on you too, because yeah. I mean, because family and friends, you do want to be able to be like, hey, like, yeah. after the game, you supported me. You're, you know, part of the reason why I'm here. Like, thanks for being behind me all this time. But once you start to understand the business of the game, it's yeah. like, I need y'all to buy tickets. Like, <laughs> in order for me to do what I do and for us to, like, really make a living and, you know, you know, give the investment to the game, you got to buy tickets. I can't give everybody free tickets all the time. Yeah, yeah for sure. So this is your 11th season, correct? Yeah. Going into it? Um, so what, what has like, what, what are the, what are the changes you've seen since 2011 when you answered to now in the WNBA? Um, I feel the biggest thing for me is like the hype around the W, especially this season, like with the jerseys and everything, like the talent level is every year, it's always better and better and better. But now like 
younger players marketing themselves in college, when they come to the league, they have this following, this fan base, they bring this excitement to the game and it's bridging, you know, that, that transition. And I feel like that is what is definitely different from when I first got in. Um, not to mention, everybody gets their own room on the road now. And I'm happy about this. I really am. Like, I can't, I can't lie. I'm happy about it. But the struggle of the first five years that I had to go through with a roommate being old as hell, having a roommate on the road, that shit sucked. But <laughs> um, yeah, the new CBA is, is dope in a lot of ways. Um, it's still just a baby step, first step, but a lot has changed because of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as a, yeah, I feel like when you're a rookie, you probably didn't really care. But then when you got older and older, you were like, all right, this is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even then, it's a shock. Like, well, yeah. probably not. I mean, still, I think it is. It's a shock going from college yeah, yeah, yeah. to the W resource-wise, I yeah, think yeah. is the thing. You know, like, mm -hmm. it's not this consistent, like, you got private, you know, charter flights you have you know like all this gear all this this all this that like everything just kind of like handed to you it's different in the resources that way but um it's better it's better i noticed a lot of good happening this this season for sure yeah for sure um uh, i think a lot of people don't realize that either uh like the i guess the casual fan you'd say yeah um and then just going on on your on the court your your career you pretty much been going up every season so like what what changed basically from the first half of your career to like now with Connecticut I feel like maybe that's that's probably when you took off when you got traded to Connecticut um yeah I think understanding the game better uh I think something with women's players is we don't have that developmental transition you know we kind of just get thrown in and it's just this raw talent that either transitions well into the game fast, especially depending on what kind of situation you go into where, you know, you have coaches and vets that are willing to groom you that have the time that, you know, don't have the stress and the pressure on them to do so. When I went into the Mystics, I think there were six or seven rookies on our team that year. You know, it's like, that's hard. That that's It's hard to, to win in a league like this, like that. So it just took some time to kind of find myself as a pro. Um, adjusted the game, let the game slow down. I was kind of uh, known for my quickness. Everything I did was one speed, just fast, fast, fast. And um, playing overseas too, I think helped. Uh, you know, any weaknesses that I had over here, I tried to directly work on them overseas and come back better. Didn't want to waste my time over there. Every every opportunity to play for me was a, a way to get better. Um, and you know, it's still always find something so you know I've never arrived I, I show up to every season like you know kind of with a chip on my shoulder like I, I, I want to make a statement I want to assert myself I want to you know but I think that's just ultimately what it was mm -hmm. get comfortable yeah for sure and then you were named an all-star in 2017 what did that mean to you it meant a lot um just the things that I had been through in my career like you said like being traded um you know right off the rip traded to uh from seattle to washington and traded from washington to atlanta then atlanta to connecticut like you know you you want to have a home base you want to have a value where teams feel like they they can't trade you they want they need you there to win so finally finding that home in connecticut being able to you know not look over my shoulder know that i was valued here and i wanted to be here and after all that happened in my career for me to be an all-star is like like yeah I deserve that, like, you know, and I'm humble a lot and I don't, um, I don't know, I don't really talk in that way a lot, but 
that was a big deal to, to for, for the type of player that I am and things that had been said about me in the media and from team to team. Like, yeah, I was an all-star. Yeah, no, I like that. And then, yeah, you were named uh, defensive uh, first team for three years and and uh, second team one year. Uh, so are you, so would you, you like defense a lot? I mean, that's, that is the, the essence of my game. Even from when I was a kid, like that was what was most natural for me was, was defense. I love to get steals, play in the open court. I love playing in transition and I just wanted the ball. Like I was a gnat for the ball. It was like that, that's still kind of how I am. I feel like you can't play offense without the ball. So why not play defense hard and get it back, you know? So yeah, I like defense a lot. All right. Uh, and I know uh, you guys have been making strong runs like the past few years. Like, what, what do you think will get you guys over the hump and to win the WNBA championship? Um, I mean, obviously, our team has changed in a lot of ways. Um, brought in some pieces that really, that are champions, you know, having DeWana Bonner now, having Brian January, um, having JJ back. You know, we just what we were able to do last year, given the you know craziness of that bubble season and how our team dynamic had changed so much from the, you know, our championship or, you know, finals run. Uh, having JJ back is a big, a big deal. And as you can see in our first two games, like she's already kind of imprinted herself and you can see like what we were missing. Yeah, for sure. Well, what are your goals this season? Um, My goal this season, I always make the playoffs as a team goal. Um, that's like the first, the one thing that's always on my mind is make playoffs, make playoffs, make playoffs. Cause it's like a new season once you get there and everything else changes, records don't matter. It's, it's just a different ball game. I definitely want to win a championship this year. And just individually, I mean, I have to look, I'm not sure if there, if there is another all-star game, I would love to be an all-star again. Um, I think that would be cool. And just, um, I don't know, being efficient. I'm, I'm older, I'm, you know, always going to take that leadership role and grooming our younger players. And um, they're getting a lot of opportunities now and making the most of it, which is good. So just just being efficient. However much time I'm out there, I want to make sure I, I stand out with my energy, my effort, and and have fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like they should have just named the All-Star team last year, even though they didn't, like, wouldn't yeah. have had it and just, like, named yeah. it. So. But, I think so too. People get bonuses for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, that too. But that's probably, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, it, well, it's actually funny because I don't know if you know, it kind of just happened um, where MLB kind of took what NBA and WNB does and, and they named them like all MLB. Like they never had that oh, okay. last year because yeah. of, so they were just like, yeah. so that's their new accolade. Huh. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you gotten the chance to watch the the documentary 144? Yeah, I watched it when it aired. Oh, so what, what were your thoughts about it? Um, I thought it was incredible. Uh, I think, you know, while we made a lot of statements and we made it known what we were playing for last summer, I think to see it all come together and, you know, be put so clearly and it was really, really, really well edited. And I think it captured the essence of the season. I, I could feel myself kind of get all the emotions that I felt going through last season, just watching it, you know, leaving home. Some of us not having been home in our careers and having, you know, having that time to quarantine. Yeah, COVID sucked, but we were all of a sudden around our families home for the first time. Um, and then making a decision to leave that, to go to a bubble that we were unsure of during times of like extreme racial injustice heightened to the extreme. It was like, 
that was a lot to go through and we're resilient in the fact that we did it and it was like hey what's up y'all like we here you know but when you really think about what we were going through and the emotional like mental aspect of it like I don't ever want to do that again but I'm glad we accomplished um amplifying our voices and really making a statement um for like social injustice for sure that was the goal and we did that yeah definitely and then uh like what advice would you give to a young athlete like trying to either like get a scholarship or or make a pro league um I feel like I don't know this is kind of typical but like control what you can control and I, I say that because that's everything that's your energy that's your effort that's your your toughness, your your IQ, your intelligence of the game, like every aspect that you need to be successful at the next level, no matter if you're five years old or 31 years old, like that's, that's what it comes down to is all you can control is what you do and the work and the effort and the passion that you put into it, you will get out of it. Um, if you get caught up on, on the outcome all the time, uh, things aren't always gonna go the way you want you know, and you got to find a way to, to, to push through it, stay mentally tough and, and know that if you deserve it, it's going to come for you. I like that. All right. Ready for some fun questions? Yeah. All right. I think you might know this. I'm from Connecticut. So what's your favorite thing about Connecticut? Oh my God. <laughs> people love, people from Connecticut love to ask this question. I think that like, that's the only people that ask that. Um, this is probably going to be the cheesy answer, but the fans, I feel like Connecticut is a women's basketball state. So if you are lucky enough to play basketball here, you definitely have the support from them. And now they're back in the arena, which is cool. Um, other than that, in this area that we live in, I like that we're, we have like these little beaches scattered around here. Um, I like that. I'm a beach you have, have you been to New Haven and tried the pizza though? That's what everyone, I haven't. Oh, I have not. Uh, I still haven't. Nah. You gotta send them to me. No, you gotta come down here. Do they deliver COVID? We can't. <laughs> no, they, no, people, people are sitting outside now. Okay. I mean, I actually can't come down there. I honestly, I just had to do my physical at Yale, so yeah. I was in New Haven. Oh, you should have stopped and got some. I had to come back and get on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not averaging triple doubles, but <laughs> I love just like the grit about it. No like, one's doing what he's doing. I know. I really like him a lot. And he's in he's he's in your hometown right now, so too. Yeah. Yep. Um, what about what do you like to do in your free time? Free time? Are we talking pre-COVID or <laughs> <laughs> free yeah, time has changed? How about pre-COVID and then what what's like new hobbies you picked up during COVID? Because I mean I think everyone kind of did. Pre-COVID, I like to hang out with my friends, whether it, or teammates, you know, just family, whoever, whether that's going to a bar during the day, like having food and, you know, just having a good time. I miss that, like, you know, not having to wear a mask 24-7, you know, I miss that. But um, now, new hobbies, like home decorating, taking care of plants, cooking, baking, painting, Anything you can think of, I'm, I'm trying it. I'm staying busy in the house. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what about, what, what is something people don't know about you? I would say that I love to eat in my bed. All right. 
And I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of people that know me or think they know me, see me from the surface, whether it's Instagram or interviews or, you know, they meet me. I'm like well put together, I'm, you know, proper, I'm whatever, but I have crumbs in my bed on the regular. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's funny because I don't like eating in my bed. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Then, oh yeah. So you, you were getting, uh, you got some tattoos. What, what are they of? Um, I have a few like all over my body, honestly, but I got a Libra symbol here. That's my zodiac sign. Um, I got this piece, which is the most significant thing. Um, I lost my grandma uh, to COVID earlier in the year. Um, I had to put my first dog down. So I have a dove here for her, a couple other doves um, for people I lost, giraffe, favorite animal, uh, sunflower, favorite flower, kind of just put that piece together. I love it. Love it. Love it. Turned out good. Well, one, sorry to hear that. And two, that, yeah, that's an awesome piece. Thank you. Um, last one. I knew I forgot something. Um, I know you just, you literally just said it today. So um, tell me about the, the Good Game Foundation. Oh, so um, kind of started it with a guy named Adam Miller. And uh, as you can see, if you check it out, Benny Fowler is also part of it. Um, it's basically, you know, we are starting with women's empowerment organizations, but we will just um, raise awareness, provide funds to, you know, as grants to, to help them do their programming and, and make their impact. Um, I don't think it's been released yet, but one of the first organizations we're working with is the Women's Bean Project out of Denver. Um, and they basically work to rehabilitate, rehabilitate women after dealing with addiction. So um, it's just a cool way to kind of, you know, it's a pilot program right now. We're the only two athletes involved, but we're working on expanding that and getting more people into it uh, just to use our platforms to do what we really care about, which is making a difference in our community. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at J-A-S-Z Thomas. Um, that's my handle on all platforms, honestly. So I'm one of those people that reply. So go ahead. Hit me up. All right. Well, again, I appreciate it and best of luck this season. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.